Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to Text Talk. We're so glad that you tuned in for this episode. We're looking at Acts chapter 20. Edwin, what is our text for today? Well, today we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, and we're going to read all the way through Revelation, the very fine... No, I'm just kidding. But I do want to talk about the whole counsel of God. So today we're going to look in Acts chapter 20. We're just going to read two verses. Hey, buddy, that was my line. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't mean to steal your thunder. I'm going to read verse 26 and 27. Therefore... I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Hmm. Tell me about the whole counsel of God. Yeah, uh, like you said, let's start in Genesis chapter 1. I'll tell you what, as we work back around to this whole counsel of God, maybe let's start with this idea of declaring an innocence of the blood of all men. What would bring about a blood guiltiness to Paul? Well, I think in part it would be silence about the counsel of God. That he knew the truth that would deliver a life, deliver a soul from the judgment of a holy God. And if he sat on that, if he didn't say anything, if he didn't speak up, uh, which would be a... a uh, what a dereliction, I guess, of his stewardship as one who has been given the trust of God. He would have been an unfaithful servant and failed in his ministry. But there would be dire consequences. There are dire spiritual consequences uh, for people who do not know or refuse to accept the counsel of God, the word of God. Paul is walking in the footsteps of the prophecy of Ezekiel here. Ezekiel chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. At the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. Again, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you have not warned him, he shall die for his sin, and his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the righteous person not to sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning, and you will have delivered your soul. That's God talking to Ezekiel yeah. centuries before Paul. But Paul, here in Acts chapter 20, is saying, I'm like Ezekiel. I'm a yeah. watchman. I've got a warning, and I've come, and I have not I have not ceased to declare the entire counsel of God. I've told you what you needed to hear. I told you what God has counseled you, what is, what is good for you, yeah. what you need to do. I've told you. So my hands are innocent. If you if you go into judgment, it's not going to be because of me. I've told you, and I've taken every opportunity to do it. A little earlier on in this talk, in verse 20, I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Keep, keep reading. Keep reading right there. I want to get what it says next. Oh, okay. Testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, 
repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to limit the whole counsel of God to faith and repentance, but we do have a parallel here. Mm-hmm. He said back in that earlier verse that he taught everything that was profitable. What did you say that was helpful? Yeah, or, uh, yeah, helpful. You're reading from the New King James, correct? Sure. So the the idea that what is profitable is faith and repentance. And now as he's talking about the whole counsel of God, I think that is summed up in faith and repentance. What is the whole counsel of God? Believe and change. Mm-hmm. Believe and change. Believe in Jesus as king and change and let him be your king. And that whole counsel of God is for all people, testifying to Jews and also to the Greeks. And if I refrain from saying what God counsels, from saying what a person is supposed to believe and how a person is supposed to change, I may get it all right. I may do exactly what God has called on me to do, but the blood of those that I just let linger in sin is on my hands. The sin of silence. I think all of a sudden, I wish I thought about this so we could... I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. You remember the the magician couple? I'd say remember. They're still out there. Penn, uh, Penn and Teller. Oh, yes, yes, Penn yes. Penn and Teller. Penn Gillette has this great video from years ago. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I've, I've, I, I saw going. this video just years ago where he talked about a fellow who had a Gideon Bible that came up to him after one of his performances and handed him a Bible. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Penn is an atheist. Yes. I, I mean, he's like a militant atheist. Well, he's outspoken for sure. Very outspoken. But what he even recognized, and it it was shocking to him, and this hurts my heart that for an atheist to think that Christians are normally jerks and awful people, because it was shocking to him that this guy was really nice. And, you know, I think this guy actually cared about me. And, you know, what he pointed out was... There's also caricatures that go along with that, too. Yeah, yeah, you know. But uh, this this guy cared about me, um, Penn says. And he said, you know, really, I don't have a problem with people who proselytize, mm-hmm. uh, which, of course, is often a pejorative term. <laughs> I mean, it's an accurate thing, but that's often kind of the pejorative term that we talk about. We usually say evangelize or well, personal work. It's because we're trying to bring the good news to people. Jesus Christ proselytizes just about bringing somebody into your religion or into your fold. I, I appreciated, though, because what he pointed out, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm talking about um, Penn. Uh, an outspoken atheist. atheist, That what he said is he had no respect for people if they really believed in eternal life, if they really believed that there was destruction for those and eternal damnation for those who did not believe. He said he had no respect for people who would not tell about that. Because think about this. If, if, if I see a truck barreling down on you, a, a, an 18 wheeler is just running towards you, there is a moment mm-hmm. when I have to decide I'm going to go tackle you. I'm going to go tackle you. I'm going to knock you out of the way so that this truck doesn't kill you. Mm-hmm. And he, said, he pointed out you don't let social awkwardness get in the way of that. You don't worry about that. You see someone about to die and you do something about it. Right. That's what Paul's talking about here. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. That's what he's talking about here. If if you believe that there is a hell, if you believe there's a judgment, if you believe that Jesus Christ is coming back to judge, as the Apostle Paul preached uh, in Acts 17, then then you need to tell people that. You need to warn people that, that the gospel is a word of life, but it's also a word of warning. I have heard again and again, and I think it's becoming more common, the idea that there there is not hell. There is not a state of existence, which is just barely a state of existence, that is being separated from God, being completely and totally and utterly separated from God, which is which is going to be, again, this just kind of 
half existence, if you will, but it's a, it's a tormenting, it's an awful experience. And fewer and fewer people are believing that is what is coming in judgment for those folks who are, who are saying, God, I don't want to be in your presence. They can't seem to imagine that at some point God will say, fine, well, now you get to spend eternity finding out what it's like without me. And folks are just, well, that doesn't fit with the love of God. I just can't imagine that God would do that. The first thing I would say is along with C.S. Lewis, you can't imagine that the love of God would say, this is what you asked for. I will give it to you. I mean, that sounds that sounds, sounds pretty like, loving, doesn't it? That, I mean, <laughs> this is what you asked for. I'm going to give it to you. But here's the second thing. Uh, folks are, are struggling with that. They don't want to teach that. And their reason is, is because I just can't believe that God would do this. I don't want to say this because I don't want to use fear as a motivator to get someone to obey God. Honestly, I am not nearly as worried if we remove what the scripture says about being thrown out of God's presence, of being driven away from his presence in that hellish existence in hell, separate from him. I'm not, I'm not so much worried about the fact that people will no longer be motivated to obey God. I am worried that those of us who believe in God will no longer be motivated to tell people about it. Mm. Because if I look at them and I, I don't know the torment and the judgment, I will not be persuaded to get the message to them. Not, not because, oh, well, I don't have to worry about it. I'm not going to suffer anything. But because I think, well, you're not really going to suffer anything. And so why should I take the chance of telling you about the gospel? Why should I take the chance to, to broach the socially awkward question to find out, do you believe in Jesus? Why should I do that? I mean, I don't believe that really you're going to suffer anything. And so I hold back. It can be that. I hold back the whole counsel of God because I've, I've lost the, uh, I guess, really conviction that it's going to matter. You know, it's, it's, I have trouble. I have trouble uh, trying to see how folks and even believers that take that position on hell, like, where are they on the cross? Um, I think we begin to understand why there's a cross and why there's a sacrifice and just what the weight of all that means. We like to sit and say, yeah, I'm a sinner, but I think hell seems too much for a sinful person. Well, Jesus was sinless. It seems like the cross seems a little bit too much for the sinless person. Wow. So you just blew my mind there. You broke and and you stopped. And I know that here on a podcast, like on a radio, we're not supposed to have silence. But I want to sit in that for a moment. The cross seems too much for the sinless person. And then for him to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Having that forsaken by God, separated separated from God. That's too much for a sinless person. But So this is where we find the love of God, yeah. not whether he is willing to give to people what they have asked for, but whether or not he was willing to pay the price for when I ask God, I want you. I don't deserve you. I deserve to be cast out of your presence, but I want you. His love is demonstrated not by keeping people from what they want when they want to be separate from him, but by paying the price to draw people to him when that's what they want. To pay the price of ransom and make the way of reconciliation. I mean, this is a wonderful message, an incredible God that we know and serve. And so it is a privilege to be able to declare him to all and hold nothing back. And so he preaches faith 
and he preaches repentance. Those who believe must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's faith. And he teaches repentance. And we've said again and again throughout Acts, repentance, the change of mind that leads to a change of action. But I also want to add in this this aspect of it that we don't often think about. Often we think of repentance as, oh, I hurt you. I'm not going to do that again. I hurt you. I did. And and that caused you pain. And so I'm going to stop doing that. I feel your pain and I'm going to stop that. And, And certainly that can lead to repentance. But repentance in scripture is actually, oh, my king doesn't like that. I'm not going to do that anymore. Now, I get it. A lot of times the reason Jesus doesn't like things is because it causes pain to others. But that's not the, the, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for the repentance that says, Jesus is my king. I'm going to do what he says. That's the whole counsel of God. And now what I have to think, what I have to take away from today's message is I'm speaking. I need to speak the whole counsel because if I don't share with those who listen to my speaking, my preaching, my teaching, if there are things that I hold back because I'm afraid it's going to upset them, because I'm afraid they're going to turn against me, mm, blood is going to be on my hands. Paul says, I'm innocent of the blood of all men because I taught the whole council. We'd love to know what you're learning. Are there things that you think we're missing in the whole council? We, we don't want to miss anything. Send us a message. Uh, Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. We want to encourage you, go forth, read the word of God. Let's learn the counsel of God. Let's apply it to our lives. Let's teach it to others. Why don't we pray about that? Our great God and Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the day that you've given us. We thank you, Father, for your goodness, your grace. Father, that you have spoken so we might know your word and that your word is true. Father, help us to never be ashamed of the counsel of God, but to declare it that we might have a peace of soul and sleep well at night, knowing that we have held nothing back like the Apostle Paul. Please bless us to that end for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well.